0: Dear Father, we love you, we trust you, we are so incredibly thankful that you are a God who leads us and guides us in the way that we should go. We pray, Father, that you would open our hearts to you today, that we would find direction for our thoughts, our minds, our hearts in you, and that you would lead us in the right, right way. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So Craig Rochelle wrote a book called Soul Detox and in it he said countless times a day when it comes to what you hear what you say you have a choice to make when you hear the words of others you can choose to receive them as truth or reject them as lies every time you open your mouth to utter a word you have the opportunity to speak life or the temptation to take it he said we obviously can't control what others say about us but we can control what we believe Since toxic words can destroy our souls, we've got to passionately guard our hearts against them. And his point is, and what he says is, if you think negative and toxic thoughts, it affects you. You become a negative person, and it affects your thought life and who you are. And his biggest premise is, most of the battles that we're fighting in our life, they're won or lost in our mind. Because how we think about things, how we process things, affects how we do everything else. And he said there's four specific areas where he calls it waste can really poison our mind. The first one, he says, is pessimism. It's chronically negative thoughts. Everything's terrible. Nothing's ever going to get better. It's always going to be this way. It doesn't matter what I do. Nothing ever changes. And he said the second one that is toxic for us is anxiety. And usually anxiety shows up as fearful and worried thoughts. You're consumed with fear and worry, not just for yourself, but for the people you love, the world, everything around you. And I actually heard this incredible quote about fear. We're all of us not liable only of fear, but we are afraid of being afraid. Anxiety is, I'm afraid of what could happen, what might happen, what the terrible possibilities could be. And we use worry as a tool to think that we're doing something about the anxiety by letting our minds go over. Do you ever have your mind, it just can't let go. You go through it, again. it's usually at like 3 o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep. And we're exhausted and no better off for it. The third one, he says, is bitterness. Bitterness shows up in our life and it pollutes our thinking, he said, with discontented and envious thoughts. Resentment and bitterness go hand in hand we become discontent with how things feel in life. And we have a long list of what we don't have or what we don't like about what we have and we, how we don't measure up or how we look or what's going on around us. And then we start to resent other people for what we think, we, what they have and what we think we're lacking. Our angerness towards certain things turns to bitterness and it hardens our hearts and ourselves against other people And even our own selves and the fourth one he says is criticism said it pumps destructive judgmental thoughts into our minds we're really good remember at seeing the faults in other people while just downplaying our own faults we see other people's problems and we criticize and we judge those while completely ignoring our own because as long as everybody's looking away from us we don't have to worry about what's really going on in us And he says, to challenge these areas where our mind goes to toxic places, he says, weed the garden of your mind on a regular basis. Now, I'm not a gardener, but I love the analogy. Like, we have things in our mind that need pruning. We have things that need nipped in the bud before they overtake the healthy, fruitful things that our soul is longing to produce. And because we can't change what we don't see, we have to, remember, take that inventory. Think through what's going on in my mind. Where have toxic thoughts taken over? Be honest with yourself about where your mind goes and what you've been focusing on. And I love, he gives a series of questions that are really helpful to do an inventory on your mind. The first one is, do you battle with negative thoughts about yourself and other people or life in general? Do you find yourself going to negative places? The second one, he says, are you consumed with fear, worried thoughts, putting your faith in bad things rather than good, bad things happening rather than good? The other one, he says, is do you find yourself discontent, wishing life were different, wishing things were better, wishing things could be a different way? And then the last one he asks, are you critical? Like, think about how critical you are in your mind. Like, your mind jumps to the judgmental place before you even think anything else and you find something wrong with everything, people, places, things. He says, when you start looking through and asking yourself that, what happens is we create the opportunity once we identify where it is to replace these areas with truth and goodness in our life because we always find what we're looking for and we get to decide what our mind's destination is anytime our mind starts to drift toward dangerous thoughts we get to say hey wait a second i don't want to go there said you can grab your runaway thoughts do whatever it takes to get the trash out of your minds and then listen how powerful this is you are not a victim of your thoughts you have the power through jesus christ to take them captive as a result you'll find what you're looking for you can believe the worst or think the best you can find reasons to worry or reasons to have faith you can live pessimistically or you can possess life-changing faith and i love that so much because we are not a victim of our minds we can direct them we can challenge them we can push back every thought that pops into my head doesn't need to take root i can weed out what doesn't belong Not everything gets to have a place in my mind when it creeps in. We can weed our gardens and get rid of any of the things that don't belong. And one of the greatest tools that we've been given in our life to process life and think about things and use our minds in healthy, powerful ways is prayer. Prayer isn't, sometimes we think about prayer like, I'm going to go get God to do this for me. He's going to give me what I want. I'm going to change his mind and convince him. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is instead being willing to let God change us. It's the awareness of there are things in my mind that don't belong there. They're toxic. They're unhealthy for me. And I want to process life differently. And God helps us through prayer change our perspective, change what we're looking for, and change the trajectory of our thought process. And it helps us deal with the things that come up in life Differently because we're using a different processing tool to help us. I, um, we're going to look at First John. John was a follower of Jesus Christ. It's interesting because you can study in the New Testament. The disciples asked Jesus, like, teach us how to pray. Show us how to pray, and you can read these awesome ways that Jesus gives them. And because John knew Jesus, he remembered this. And listen to what he says in 1 John chapter 5. Verse 14, he says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have asked, that we know that we have what we asked of him. God, those words were bumbling me. All right. All right. So here's the three things that he says. First, we can approach God with confidence. God wants us to come to him. He wants us to tell him about what's going on in our life and to turn to him and to search out what we need through him. God wants us to confidently draw near to him. And we can confidently do this knowing that when we come to God, God hears us. He's listening. He's not indifferent to us. He hears our cries. He hears our hearts. He hears our struggles, our pain, and he's near to us as we draw through what's going on in our life. And then the third thing he says is, there is a God who wants to meet our needs. He wants to care for our hearts. He wants to meet us where we are to help us and grow us and guide us. This is so powerful because it helps us see our relationship with God. God sees us not as beggars standing on the street saying, hey, God, could you spare a few crumbs for me, but as sons and daughters. We're not employees that God has to pay a paycheck to because we put our work in of being good boys and good girls for the week. He sees us as beloved children. And what's powerful about this is God has a will for our life, a purpose. We have these lives to live because we're not here by accident. We're not here by chance. Our lives matter and have value. And part of prayer is connecting to God's will for my life. Who have you created me to be? What do you want for my life? And when we pray in this way, we confidently draw near to a God that hears us, cares for us, and wants to meet our needs. Now this is a huge tension because in life, where we look determines our direction. I started riding bikes again and you have to pay attention to where you're going because the second you look away, I get distracted and I'm wobbly and I'm gonna fall, right? Where you're looking determines the direction that you go. And if my focus is only ever on the things that are hard, the things that are wrong, the terribleness, that's all I see. If I'm only focused on the resentments, the bitterness that I feel, the anger that gets bubbled up inside of me, it just becomes affirmation of, I will see more things that will make me angry. I will see more things that will confirm why I have every reason to be angry and bitter and resentful. If we only live with the shadow comforts, the things that momentarily make us feel better, we never see life beyond those. We never see who we could be, what our life could be without those things. We can get so distracted by everything going around going on around us we forget the life that we were created to live. We can take our eyes off because we're so distracted. Why it matters? We can coast through day after day after day and get wrapped up in the monotonous, the mundane. And we can look at all the wrong things and forget the purpose that which we were created for. But instead, prayer gives us a different focus, a different direction. We can fix our eyes on Jesus. He can guide us. He can direct us. When our mind starts going to places, do you ever tell yourself, like, don't think that? What happens? You think about it more, right? Like you're at 3 o'clock in the morning. I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I wrestle with the things that are hard or stressful or any of the things going on. And when I do, I'm like, this is not the time. I can't solve this problem right now. And it's hard to get ourselves out of that mind loop. But that is the exact place where we can confidently draw near to God, where we can turn to him and ask for help. When those toxic thoughts start creeping into our head, we can say, God, I don't want to think this. I don't want to get lost here. I don't want to focus on this. Could you please help me? Where negativity and fear and bitterness and criticism want to keep popping up in our hearts and our mind, we can turn to God and say, help me replace these things with goodness and truth and focus on who you are instead. I love C.H. Spurgeon said it this way. I cannot imagine any one of you tantalizing your children by exciting in him a desire that you did not intend to gratify. It were a very ungenerous thing to offer alms to the poor, and then when they hold out their hand for it, to mock their poverty with a denial. It were a cruel addition to the miseries of the sick if they're taken to the hospital and they're left to die untended and uncared for. Where God leads you to pray, he means you to receive. This is such a powerful idea of how we think about God. In the same way you wanna take good care of your kids or your people and meet their needs, God wants to care for us. He doesn't bait and switch us. He doesn't say, hey, come hang out with me, come talk to me. He doesn't invite us only so that he can be cruel or harsh or distant. He invites us to come to him so that he can help us and guide us and lead us in the way that we should go. If we're working towards becoming healthier people, emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy, we need help every single day to stay on course. We need help to challenge our minds and say, that's not productive, that's not healthy, that doesn't serve me in any good way. We need to root out the things that are toxic and not good for us And the more connected we are to Jesus Christ, the more able we are to see the weeds. When you can see the beauty of the flowers, the weeds stand out in contrast. And the more we keep connecting to him, that we are able to see him in right and true ways, the better we find our direction for life. So if that's the purpose, that's what prayer is, how do we pray, right? Some people open up their mouths and beautiful prayers fall out. Some people say, I'm never going to pray, don't make me, I don't know how. Let me give us some context for prayer. Charles Swindoll says the primary purpose of prayer is connecting with God in order to transfer his will into our life. It's collaborating with God to accomplish his goals. He said it's a vital expression of trust in the Lord that emerges from our devotion and our commitment to him and effectively done, it has believers deliberately seeking the mind of God on a particular matter that's on our heart. Okay, then he gives us a contrast because I think it's interesting, like what is prayer not? He said it's not bargaining. We're not reducing prayer to a cheap marketing scheme because it insults the character of God. It's not a get-rich-quick scream. It's not presenting God with a wish wish list as if he were a genie. It's not a painful, laborious marathon of monotonous misery entered into hours each day to prove to God I'm so pious, I'm so holy. He said it's an authentic seeking of God's plan and willingly adjusting our will to His. It's just talking and connecting with God, expressing our concerns and listening to His response. I don't pray thinking that God's gonna give me like a 10-point plan on how to do life, right? I think that would be amazing if it happened. Moses had a burning bush. I don't have a burning bush, but I do expect God to help direct my thoughts. I expect God to help incline my heart towards what is right. I expect God to reveal who he is and who he wants me to be. We pray because God listens we pray not to convince God to change him and what he should do and what we expect him to do, but using, God uses prayer to change and grow us. God takes this time that we spend connecting to him and pouring out our hearts to him, and he works in us and our hearts and our minds and our emotions in the process. And as we've been studying our 12 steps of recovery together, it brings us to the 11th step which says we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood and praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. It's so powerful when we ask God in prayer, what's your will for my life? Who do you want me to be? What's your purpose for my future? And the more we connect to God, the more healthier our lives become. He guides us. We have a destination. Our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ. And as we look to him, it's not the crazy chaos of life that's leading us. We have a focus that is solid and true. And like any area of health, it's not a one and done I don't pray one time and my life is instantly healthy, right? Just like I don't eat one day of being healthy and not have to eat healthy the next day and the next day and the next day. It is an ongoing process of how we do life. Prayer is, my heart is open to God. I'm regularly turning to him. I'm letting him replace the toxic, the negativity, the criticism, the bitterness that's taken root in my heart and in my mind and showing me instead what's true, what's right, what's good. And as he replaces these things, I'm more and more focused on who he's calling me to be. All right. We connect with God through prayer And then a lot of times coupled together is the idea of meditation. Now, we all have different ideas of what meditation is, but we can make this super simple for ourselves. Meditation is deep thinking on truths and spiritual realities that we find in the Bible for the purpose of understanding and application and prayer. So it's not just a practice of emptying your mind for emptiness' sake, We empty our mind of the noise and the distractions and the clutter and the chaos and the noise so we can fill our mind with God and truth. So we empty our mind of one thing so that we can fill it on another. It's not mental passivity, right? There are practices where meditation is just empty everything, go passive in your mind, think about nothing. But that's not what we mean. It's a constructive mental activity that meditates on what is right, what is true, and what is good. It's space to think about the things that we delight in. And it opens up our heart and our souls to let God's word take root and grow we absorb and think about who he is, and the outcome of it is application. Time spent in meditation isn't an empty mind. It's time thinking about God and dwelling on his truth in our thoughts. So prayer and meditation, they come together in the time that we connect to God and we think about God. They come together in the quiet time that we turn aside from all, I don't know about you, but sometimes my life is noisy and it's loud and I need a little bit of silence. And in that silence, there's just a space to turn and connect to God. And we all need this time in our life. We need it daily and regularly. Where in prayer, we're talking to God and connecting with God. In meditation, we're quieting our minds and thinking about Him. So our challenge is, what time do we have to turn aside towards God? To think about him, to let him challenge our own thoughts. What time every day are we finding time to be quiet and think about him? Where are we saying, God, I want to connect to you. Help me. Think about this. Let me process this. I need you here. What little red flags do we have that go up in our mind? Like when we go to those negative places, we're like, nope, not going there. I need to turn to God instead. Instead of letting my mind go to toxic places Where am I thinking about what's right and true and good and noble? Where am I spending time letting the goodness of God fill my heart and fill my mind? And that's our challenge. What if every day we just started saying, I'm going to block out, even if you start with 10 minutes, 10 minutes every day, 15 minutes, 5 minutes, a half hour, God bless you if you can get an hour in, wherever that space is, carve out time that's just for you and God. Carve out time where you turn aside and let him look at your heart. Share what you're struggling with, what you need help with, where your thoughts are getting the best of you. There's no shame in saying to God, God, my mind won't stop going here. Help me to think of something else. Let him meet us and guide us. And if we're going to learn how to pray, I want to give us some tools to practice this. Because the great thing about prayer and meditation is anybody can learn. You don't have to be a religious expert. You don't have to be a college graduate. You could be a philosopher. You could be at any level that you want to be. All of us can learn how to pray and meditate, and we learn through practice. And if you've ever tried to learn anything new before, you bumble your way along. But the good news is, listen, God loves you. He's got space for you. You can bumble your way along as you talk to him. All right. Dick Eastman wrote a book about prayer, and he said, Nothing is beyond the reach of prayer because God himself is the focus. And there are some statistics that say we spend, I don't know, like almost two hours a day worrying. And his point is, what if we replaced all of that time and energy, those places we go into the toxic thoughts, with something productive instead, something that would help us think differently and direct our minds and hearts to a healthier place? So he gives us a guide to prayer, and there's 12 different parts that he gives us that we can think through. I want you to write these down, whether you're in the notes section, in the app, or text it to yourself, or write it on a piece of paper. There's 12 ideas. What if you picked one and tried it this week? What if you tried a new one every day? What if you picked two? If you feel up to the challenge, take all 12. If you spend five minutes on each one, you got an hour to pray, and that would be life changing. All right. But the goal is pick a few and put them into practice so that you can connect with God this week. All right, let me take you through his 12 steps. The first one he says is praise. We bring glory to God with our words. We acknowledge God is God, right? And I'm not. There's a God, it isn't me. I have to surrender recognizing he is the one that's in control. And this time of praise is unselfish. It's not about me. The focus is on God, how great God is, how awesome he is. And he says, one of the beautiful things that happens is it produces forgetfulness. Sometimes I need space forgetting about myself for a second, right? I know my problems, I know my worries, I know my cares. I need time not thinking about them and praising God gives me space to forget about me and focus on him. And as we do this, praising God is prizing God. It's valuing him, esteeming him, him, cherishing him, his righteousness, his incredible creation, his word, his mercy, his love, his compassion, his goodness, his faithfulness. It's remembering who he is and what he's done. We used to sing the song, I will remember the works of the Lord. I won't sing it, but... The idea is I'll remember how good he is. I'll stop and give you praise because great is your faithfulness. We can remember something about the goodness of God. Remember, look for evidence that God is good every single day and you'll find it. And then that becomes praise. God, your son came up this morning and it was beautiful. Thank you for your wonderful creation. We can remember how good and wonderful God is and turn that into praise and focus on him. The second idea he gives us is waiting. He said it's so powerful to follow praise with a time of silence. So you start thinking about the wonderfulness, the awesomeness of God, and then the silent surrender to God. You sit in silence. So praise is verbalizing your awesome respect and esteem for God. Waiting is silent love. Thinking only thoughts of God concentrating on him, attentions on him and who he is quietly. So we praise, we wait, and then we come to confession. Confession is good for the soul because we have shortcomings. We have places we didn't get it right. We didn't say it right. We didn't do what was right. We can confess to God where we've messed up, where we've fallen off track, where we've sinned. Not that God doesn't know, but he knows that we need to know and recognize it as well. He says, My prayer life will never rise above my personal life in Jesus Christ. So what happens is healing and forgiveness begin with confession. The change begins with the awareness of, I didn't do it right. I want to do better. So we praise, we wait, we confess. And then he adds this part, including scripture reading into our prayers, we can pick something through the bible and read through it and pray through it the psalms the proverbs the gospels they're wonderful places for this look for a word an idea a verse that captures your heart and pray that towards god we can include it in these wonderful prayers that other mighty people who've gone before us have prayed to god we can pray through the ideas that christ taught us if you want to see what Christ said about prayer, it's in the Gospels. He gives us a way to begin. So we praise God, we wait on Him, we confess, we read the Bible. And then His fifth idea is watching. He says it's the act of mental awareness. Our minds like to wander. Has your mind ever <laughs> wandered before? Like you're focused. I listen to audiobooks and I listen to podcasts in the car. And sometimes I'll find myself driving, doing this. I have no idea where the last 10 minutes went, and I have no idea what happened or was said, and I have no idea how I got where I am. My mind hardcore wandered. We drift away from what we're thinking about. So this watching is bring it back. We're not trying to just mindlessly mumble words to God. We're trying to intentionally focus, spend our time with him. So where we get distracted, we watch and we are aware what's going on around us that needs prayer what's happening right now in our world, in our community, in our family, instead of the list of things that we want to complain about, right? Turn it into prayers. So we stop our mind from wandering and we look out around us and say, what can I be intentionally praying for? His next step is what he calls intercession. and intercession is we turn prayers, our prayers into prayers for other people. So how we be involved in the work of God that he's doing is by praying for one another. We know different things that are going on. We know things that have happened. We know what people are struggling through or where they need help. Or we get to be a blessing to somebody and say, how can I pray for you? And we start praying for one another. People need prayers. The people that you most want to complain about, what if you prayed for them instead? right? The leaders in the world that you most disagree about and the things that you can't stand, what if you turn that in to prayer? What if you pray for the school, you pray for the communities, you pray for the church, you pray for the people who are out there doing the hardest jobs in the world? You pray for them. What if whatever group that you're a part of, you regularly ask, how can I be praying for you? And when you don't know who to pray for, ask God. God, show me somebody, direct me to somebody, open my heart to seeing how I can be praying. And as we pray for other people, look, God softens something in our heart towards them. And we pray and we intercede. And then number seven, he says, petition. Not until we are here do we start praying for specific things. See how this process is? Gets our mind working in a healthy way. We start focusing on God. We're looking, we're waiting, we're watching for Him, we're thinking about other people. The act of self forgetfulness puts our mind in a healthy, right place. It's not um, us saying to God, like, God, I just need you to show up right now, right? I need you to fix this, solve this, make it better. It's spending time with God where He's at work in us helping us, challenging us. We're seeking him. We're trying to know him. We're recognizing, I can't do this without you. Every single day, we can say to God, I can't do this without you. Help. And then in petition, we get to pour out our hearts to God. We lay out before him what's in us. We're specific. These are our needs. These are our problems. These are our struggles. These are our shortcomings. And then as we get through there, we turn to thanksgiving that's what comes next we express gratitude to god for what he's doing we move our minds from the problems and the struggles and the hurts and the needs towards back towards thanksgiving what we're thankful for what we see god at work doing we are looking for the good god's faithfulness god's goodness his kindness we're specific And when you do gratitude, one of the things I love most is everything that you're grateful for doesn't have to be some, like, earth-shattering, mind-blowing, awesome, huge thing. Sometimes it's the simplest things to be grateful for. Like, somebody was kind to me, and that meant everything. The sun was out. I saw a beautiful sun. Whatever it is, be specific and tell God thank you for a very specific thing. I love this next one. He says, singing. Singing just isn't for church. You can use it in prayer as well. You know, all the songs that we sing are helping us think right thoughts about God. They're teaching us a language about God to know him better. And we can use these songs. Some of you have a way more musical soul than others of us. It's not about how good you sound. We're not impressing anybody, right? We're just thinking about God and praising him. Sing a hymn. Sing a song that we sing on Sunday. Sing a line or two. You know, it's interesting, when you read the Psalms, many of them were designed to be sung. It says, for the choir, for the go through and see, it's a beautiful way to express your heart and to think about God in right ways. All right, he leads us back to meditation in our prayer, and our time with God. Remember, we're not mindlessly emptying ourselves, we're intentionally filling it. We're focusing on God, his work, his words, his victories, ideas about him. Questions. Sometimes meditation is a question that we're struggling with and we don't know the answer to. attention that we feel in our connection to God and we just spend time thinking about it. Then 11, he brings us to listening. Now again, I'm not expecting God to show up and like roll out this holy scroll before me with like a 10-point plan and how to solve all the world's problems and change everything, but I am expecting God to be at work in my thoughts. I'm resting in his love and thinking through him. And this quiet time is looking for direction from God's. I love he says, good friends are good listeners. And if I want to really have a great connection for God, I've got to have quiet time where he can direct my thoughts, where he can direct my hearts, where he can spoke something in my Pride, or poke something in my arrogance or my negativity and say, hey, do you see yourself going there? It's not a great place to be. So we let him guide us and direct us, and then he brings us all the way back to praise. We can begin with praise and we can end with praise. We can say, God, you're awesome, you're good, I believe in you, I trust in you, I hope in you, rejoice in you, believe in your goodness and your awesomeness. Okay, like I said, that's a lot, but pick a few. Pick one, two, three, whatever it is, and practice those in connecting with God. Prayer is an awesome tool that we've been given to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We're gonna have negative thoughts. We're gonna have critical thoughts. Bitterness is gonna try to creep in. We're gonna get angry and frustrated and upset. But when they do, we always remember, remember the resource we have in Jesus Christ every time we pray we're placing a guard in our hearts and in our minds and we're remembering who christ is the one who is great and awesome and mighty and deserving of praise the one who conquered fear and claimed victory on the cross, he stands with us. He becomes a guard in our hearts and in our minds, and he helps us and directs us in the way that we should go. My encouragement is, what would happen if you tried this week? Spending time with God. See what he can do in your heart, do in your mind. Turn towards him and let his goodness fill your heart and mind. John reminds us, there is a God who loves you. You can have confidence when you come to him because he's listening. He cares for your soul, and he wants to be there to help. Dear Father, I pray that you would help us. I recognize that there are times in our life, Father, that all of these things creep into our mind. I realize our thoughts get the better of us, and they get away from us, and we want your help to be healthy men and women. So I pray, Father, that you would help us be prayerful men and women this week, that we would confidently come to you, that we would remember you hear us, you know us, and you are for us. I pray, Father, as we spend time with you, that you would challenge our hearts, encourage our minds, comfort our hearts, and give us the direction we need to do this life well. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.